All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? I've got Musk and Feedback. Ooh, I have a massive World War III update that includes the Pentagon document leak and, uh, oh, the Chicago Democratic uh, Convention. That's exciting. You ready? Yep. Wait, are you sure you're ready? Because you don't sound ready. No, I've actually, the problem is that when I said, yep, you forgot to hit the button that starts the music, so it made it sound like I wasn't ready. No, because you sounded like, yep. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, people, let's begin. Get up, everybody! We have liftoff! Welcome to the Truth Bait Podcast! Welcome back to Jeremy Siegel! Amen! Thank you. Jeremy! Oh, hang on. I'm, I'm still getting used to my new board, Jeremy. Here we go. Jeremy Siegel, welcome back to the Truth Bait Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Can you you. hear me? Are you there? I'm here. Oh, no. I can barely hear you. I'm here. Uh, Okay. I'm here. Welcome back. Everything seems fine. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I am Andrew Marcus, documentary filmmaker and podcaster, you're listening to me fumble around with Jeremy Siegel, documentary filmmaker and podcaster, and you're listening to episode 16 of the Truth Bait Podcast on Friday, April 14th. Do you need me to come over there and teach you how to use that thing? You know, I, well, cause so I, I upgraded from the Roadcaster 1 to the Roadcaster 2, and it is, it's a whole other beast, man. Uh, yeah, there we go. I feel like I'm learning to walk again and chew gum at the same time. Well, you sound Uh, like And I will mention, Jeremy, uh, that the Truth Bait podcast is where we deconstruct America's propaganda war and reconstruct America's culture in our image. And Jeremy, it is fantastic to have you back. Well, I'm glad to be back. It has been uh, quite a week, let me tell you. So, What uh, happened to you? Well... We have been uh, blessed with diseases coming through our household, uh, thanks to people, I don't know who, but some people with uh, inability to mask up or self-regulate or lock down whenever they're sick. So I'm, I'm fully on board for Fauci 24. <laughs> I you want bring- people to stay safe. I want people to stay safe, stay home, <laughs> stop getting us sick. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I don't it's know. It's funny spiteful, because, but I'm happy. It's it's funny because <laughs> everybody feeling better. It's everybody is. Yeah. What happened? Okay, briefly, my son was hospitalized. He is 15 months old. He has Down syndrome. He has very narrow airways, and anytime he gets a respiratory illness. He is much more seriously affected by it than 
most common children would be, and, and this was one of those. Uh, Jeremy, cases. how am I supposed to how am I supposed to make fun of the fact that you were out now that you've dropped your Down syndrome child on us? That was I, my, now, okay, that's my now defense. I just to be solemn. <laughs> it was I'm my, glad that you're all feeling better. Yes. Uh, so I have been in the hospital for a few days, tending to him while my wife was tending to our other children who were sick at home. And he is much better, uh, thank God, and everybody is recovering. Um, so that is why I couldn't be here on Tuesday. I, I was planning to be. There was absolutely no way that I had time to prepare for a show or even participate in a show. I was really just focused on keeping my son breathing. And uh, he, the doctors were great, and everything went great. He really rebounded well, and we're just praising God. Uh, everything is fine, and and we're back. So now I'm back. I did hear uh, your well, show. I'm glad that, uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you had a chance while you were sitting there in the hospital uh, to to put on the Truth Bait Podcast episode 15, the first solo cast. The half truth. Uh, first of all, I didn't even know you were going to do that. I just thought we were going. You were going to announce no show today. Yeah, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do, and then I realized I had spent so much time. I spent, you know, it takes me two days to prepare each episode, and there was no warning that we weren't going to do that episode because, you know, it really crept up on us that that you weren't going to be able to do it. it. Came out of nowhere. Um. And so, yeah, I, I decided the stuff that I thought was not evergreen, I held a bunch back. I just did the stuff that I thought was not going to keep, and I had spent a lot of time on it. Well, I was, I was... And our audience deserves it. They deserve the half-truth. I was sitting in the hospital. My son had fallen asleep, and so I pushed play on the Truth Bait podcast for the first time as a listening participant uh, rather a, than a as a produce as a citizen producer yes yeah so i wanted to citizen produce some feedback for you about that show oh that's the feedback you have it's from you yeah <laughs> uh oh hang on a second i'm gonna strap in here <laughs> let me get my seatbelt on all right i'm gonna have to fully in a sound effect of strapping in there well, are you ready? Down. It's at seven minutes. At seven minutes, I have to fully end sound. Okay. I think. Go ahead. You got. Yeah. Feed, you have I, feedback for yeah, me. What's I going said, on? Are you, you ready? You didn't say anything. I thought the show was great, but not so great. <laughs> it was missing something. <laughs> That's it. I thought you did a tremendous job carrying the show on your own. Except I wasn't there, and you sounded lonely. It was lonely. I felt very much like I was talking to myself. Uh, you you sounded like you were talking to yourself, except when you had some of those thoughts like, I, I wish Jeremy was here right now to bless us with some of his brilliance and intelligence on this matter you know like i liked when you made comments Insert like that jeremy here right i loved those <laughs> yes. were my favorite parts of the show by the way when you're like man i wish jeremy <laughs> was here to tell us what this means like that was 
That was great. So those were definitely one thing I liked about it was the length. I did like the length of the show that we uh, in and out in like an hour. That was my favorite part, actually, not because I was tired of listening to you, but because it just it was good. It was like it was quick. So maybe I should retire and you should just take over. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. (laughs) If you did that, uh, we would be completely. Yes, so I don't want that. I agree. So, um, no, I, I, hey, I gotta hand it to you, man. That's uh, that's brave to take on this task uh, on your own because I think people have been listening from the beginning. It's uh, this particular podcast that requires both voices. I think uh, it does, and I was my biggest concern was that by doing it alone, it was going to really reveal how little I'm bringing to the table <laughs> uh, intellectually. Uh, you know, it, it could, it, seriously, it is, it is something that we are able to do together. I'm formulating my ideas off of our discussions that are happening right in front of the audience. And so to not have you there to bounce my ideas off of is definitely it's like being it's like having an amputation it's like uh the show tried to transition <laughs> into a solo act i i do like though that it sets the the uh precedent that we can do the show individually if need be if one of us has to drop out if it's beyond our circumstances we say to the best of our ability and sometimes it is beyond our ability and the next time it's beyond my ability, you now, sir, <laughs> can do this. Sh- maybe have to do the show alone. It gave me solo. An, it gave me an appreciation for even some of the worst radio hosts out there who can do this by themselves. Yes, I mean it's it, it is hard. Like I it's, I wouldn't want, but I would see. I wouldn't want to do this by myself. It's just not. I don't know. I it's. I guess it's it's cool if you can develop your audience that way talk directly to people but to me i need you to smack me down sometimes you know otherwise i start thinking <laughs> i'm too smart versa. you know yeah that like a lot of the people out there that you listen to so uh anyways i'm back i'm glad to be back i agree i think the show length was great i think uh I don't know how we would do that though. If that was that's that's half a show. That's me. That's only me bringing it to the table. That's not you bringing it to the table. And so there's no. I don't know how you do a show that length unless we just dramatically cut our content. Although this may that's be it? actually a really good opportunity for us to talk about just real briefly. You know that you and I have been talking about uh, experimenting with the format. Well, I'm just not going to bring about, content anymore. Right. You you do it <laughs> just, all. Just, I'm going to show I'll up. I'll drive the show. That's, That's it. Fine. You do the research. You prep everything. Get all the clips. I'm going to be here to tell you what 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 everything means, so you can figure it out. Let, and and if you all you have to do is just let me know when you're ready to roll, Mister Siegel. And that's when we'll roll the show. I'll have my clips ready for us. I have a different idea, though. Not uh, not, not not so drastic of a change like that would be. Uh, but. You know, I think people listening have seen kind of now or heard, I guess they haven't seen, but they've heard the types of clips we like to get into and play and critique. Uh, What if we just boycott? What if you and I both boycott? What if we have like a seven minute show? 
And then, and then, <laughs> very, and then, very adversarial, right? We just do a seven. <laughs> no, we it, just do a seven-minute show. Jeremy, which we're is already like a, we are inspiring. I have, I have, I had multiple clips coming into me this week from multiple oh, people. Okay. I had a lot of stuff coming in. It was then, very helpful. Perfect, because that's the idea that we've been pitching, and that's what I was going to reiterate: is to make this show work better and to get more audience participation and make it really more possible for you and I to do this is get more producers contributing the stuff that we should be talking about. Um, and it can almost be a competition for people. Like what if we had a competition, like who gets their clips played or something like that? You know? Well, I think people naturally, when they send it in, they they hope that we're going to play it, and uh, it's very likely we will get to it. You know, now actually, now I'm sorry. It, it it depends on when it comes in. When it comes in, like the night before show day that's or show day, late. when that's it's really late. urgent, that's great. But it takes time yeah. to integrate, you know, to to prep it and get it into the show. So sometimes I can't even look at what's being sent to me until after the show. And, right. uh, and then I start getting it ready for the next one. So, uh, that all, all that incoming stuff is definitely appreciated is definitely helpful. And in fact, one of the clips I have today, I found it's, it's not the clip that I was sent by Janice and AZ, but it was in, definitely as a result of a clip that Janice and AZ sent in. I don't, I wasn't able to prep the clip she sent, but something that was in that clip made me go, whoa, wait a second. And I uh, began digging for uh, uh, a second, a corroboration, uh, a report on one that clip, and I found it, and that's uh, that's it. And that's how this works. It, it, you know, Even if it's not necessarily what you send in, you are absolutely able to inspire what we end up playing. But that wasn't even what I was talking about. I was talking about the pop-ups. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, the pop-ups. Right, so we the haven't format talked about that, we're, that yet. Yeah. Well, you and I we're, have, we're but not on with, air. Yeah, right, not on air. We're we're and we want to need to, we don't need to talk about about it much, but we're flirting with the idea of uh, instead of doing two shows a week, converting over to one show a week on Friday, our main show, and then during the week in in between the Fridays, having what what we're you know sort of gravitating towards calling pop up episodes. Where you and I, or just you, or just I, but I think as you and I just discussed, preferably you and I, we hop on for one story. And maybe we cover it in 10 minutes. Maybe we cover it in 25 minutes. But it's a pop-up episode. And it serves to keep engagement with the audience during the week because you know the problem with going down to one show a week is that's a long period of time in between, there's a lot that happens that you want to talk about that isn't going to last until Friday. It's not going to be fresh by the time Friday rolls around. Uh, sometimes there's breaking news, and we may want to comment on the breaking news. So I guess at any rate, we haven't made any decision yet. And in fact, I think we invite your feedback at truth at truthbait.com. Uh, tell us what you think about this idea that maybe we would go down to it. We would go to a a main show on Friday, which, by the way, if we're at just one show on Friday, we, we could make it six hours longer. We could make it six hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just tune in in the morning uh, when you wake up and we'll be done by the time you go to bed. Uh, uh, yeah. So we'd have a main show on Friday where we can you know, be a little bit more in depth. We don't feel you know, uh, like we need to you know, get out quickly. Uh, and then during the week, we can do pop up shows and they'll come in. They'll come as warranted. They'll come as needed. Uh, so that's what we're thinking about. 
we feel like that might be uh, a, a, a more adaptable uh, uh, program for us. And you uh, mentioned, and, for the uh, and you mentioned, you got a clip from Janice and AZ, and Jan- yes. Janice in AZ, like I don't know who she is, but. Janice in AZ is like a regular producer. She's like, um, she is. She's, I mean, how many? We've had a lot of clips from her, right? And actually, I got it confused. She's Janice in Arizona. We're getting confused. With are Big that D right? That's Big D. We got a bunch of people in Arizona, so that was Big, Big D. But he's, he's regular, regular also, as well, sending me stuff all week. Right. And, Thank you. And so maybe there's something we could create that's part of the show where like i don't know that maybe there's awards or something that producers can get you know when they get a show play or clip played or they get like a certain number of clips contributed yeah, it should be eggs eggs from jeremy's chicken coop we could send eggs or an egg uh c- what if it's commem- a, what if, but what if it's a bad <laughs> clip we're gonna send a rotten egg by the way, have Send you ever dead bee? Have you ever <laughs> in have you amber ever cracked open a rotten egg? Don't. No, I have not. Want, oh no, I don't. No, it's I don't about think the I have, grossest actually. thing you could ever see. Anyways, well, I'm not going to send any rotten eggs. But anyways, that was an idea I had. Is uh, something that that try to to uh, give something to the people who are regularly contributing. Um, and maybe people have ideas for what that is. You know what? Uh, I wasn't thinking of actually physically sending eggs to people, but maybe some sort of title or some sort of club that you could belong to in the Truth Bait podcast universe of producers. A secret producers. decoder ring. Some something. I don't know. Maybe there's something we could give. Some sort of digital trophy or something like that. That makes people feel good about themselves and want to keep participating. A home defibrillator. Yeah, I guess something like that. Something useful. <laughs> uh, okay, well, should we get into it? Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you um, starting today? Let's not do Musk first. No. Was that? Yeah, I was going to say, were you starting today? Yeah, I'll start today. I have, um, I, I so I have two stories really, uh, the Chicago Dem convention, the Democratic convention is coming to Chicago in 24. Uh, but more importantly is the World War III update. I know I was calling it the Cold War III update, but now I just think it's time to maybe transition it to World War III update. Uh, and that includes the Pentagon document leaks. I'm, I'm wrapping that up into the World, World War III update. So let's just go right to the World War III update. Okay. Uh, starting with... The Pentagon document leaks. Uh, Jeremy, you've been unplugged. What do you? Do? This would be a good baseline. What do you know about the Pentagon document leaks? Today is the first day I've heard about it. That's amazing. I I was this totally unplugged. Fire and it's around I, yeah. the world. I was totally unplugged in the hospital, so I really just started seeing this uh, this morning. So okay, well, tell me what you know. What do you know so far? Uh, somebody leaked a bunch of documents. 
Excellent. Okay, well, you're going to be you're going to be of a, a very good uh, Virgin audience member. Some someone from um, the Pentagon leaked some documents. There's something about secret stuff going on over in Ukraine, Russia. People are now finding out Russia's winning or Ukraine's not doing as well as they said, and we have boots on the ground in Ukraine. Right. Well, the story started to break this week that documents were leaking out. And they were photographs of documents. So this wasn't, uh, it, it didn't appear to be a hack. It appeared to be somebody had photographed documents and uploaded them. And as it turns out, they were uploaded to a private chat, uh, a private server on Discord, uh, which is, Discord is an online chat uh, community. Uh, my kids are on Discord. The, the, all the kids are on Discord. This This is... Uh, a big gaming chat community. And uh, uh, here I'm going to play CBS, which, you know, I call CIA BS. This is the official line. This is, this is what the spooks want you to know. We don't know who's behind this. That's John Kirby, uh, National Security Council spokesperson. We don't know what the motive is. Pentagon officials are working to identify the source of leaked war documents meant for senior decision makers like the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Pages seem to be drawn from classified military briefing books, including CIA updates. Not even the White House can say if the crisis is contained. We don't know. And is that a matter of concern to us? You're darn right it is. How serious is this situation? This is very concerning. Republican Congressman Mike Turner, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, was briefed Monday. The access to these documents would presuppose some access to even additional and, and more documents uh, that might be of, of greater concern or, or higher classification. The leaked information is largely focused on the war in Ukraine. With the spring offensive against Russia approaching, the documents apparently reveal Ukraine's reported need for new munitions, so acute its air defense could crumble. A former intel official says it also indicates that the U.S. and others may be keeping tabs on the Ukrainian president's conversations. I think it's really a new frontier in many ways. H.R. McMaster, former national security advisor and CBS News contributor, says the apparent mix of authentic and doctored records looks like disinformation warfare. The combination of, of elements of truth with falsehoods uh, to, to advance an adversary's agenda. He also warns it could potentially impact diplomatic relations. Some of these leaks uh, can, can draw into question our reliability. Uh, our trustworthiness with allies. We're going to have to do some damage control. All right. The, there are a number of things in that clip that make me think, you know me, I, I'm, I've got the tinfoil ready to go at any time. My first thought was, this is a controlled leak. We did this on purpose. And the reason that I thought that was, you know, this is, again, this is what, uh, CBS, CIABS uh, wants you to know. Notice how they go right into talking about how Ukraine is not going to uh, be successful in their spring offensive. The leaked information is largely focused on the war in Ukraine. With the spring offensive against Russia approaching, the documents apparently reveal Ukraine's reported need for new munitions. 
So there's, you know, that's that is our industrial uh, military industrial complex wanting more money. So acute, its air defense could crumble. And that's also preparing the American public for the inevitability, which is that Ukraine is at best going to achieve a stalemate. And we're going to get into all of that uh, later later on down the road. But I can see where this release could be a psyop. It could be absolutely intentional. Yeah. Um, I think most leaks are. Uh, the only the only thing that works against that is what McMaster said there at the end, which was that we're going to have damage control to do to our reputation, and that is true. This does make it look as though we can't contain any of our secrets, which we can't. But uh, it's possible that that's part of the that's part of the goal too, is to diminish us with our with our allies. Uh, although I don't, that's even for me and my tinfoil, that's like an extra level of tinfoil. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that jumped out at me on that McMaster clip, listen to this, just, just this jumped out at me. In warfare. The combination of, of elements of truth with falsehoods uh, to, to advance an adversary's agenda. As disinformation, where were we experienced that before, Jeremy? Yeah, right. All the election interference coverage. Mm-hmm is basically disinformation. It is truth mixed in with a bunch of fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, I found uh, an article sort of running along the same line of thinking that the it's from the last refuge that the leak was an op. And wait, 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 I, wait, wait. I think I know where you're going and wait for it, okay? Oh. Let me let me, okay. let me let me let me take you there. Let me take you there. Here's Democracy Now. You know Democracy Now. That's yeah, Amy that. Goodman. It's a far left outlet. I think they're also CIA. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, I would suspect, yeah. I mean, there's some sort of operation by the government, yeah. Not only the U.S. spying on its adversaries, but spying on its allies like Israel, like South Korea, like Ukraine. Over the past month or more, the leaked documents have been appearing online on the chat service Discord and on the messaging app Telegram. Concerning the war in Ukraine, the leaked documents suggest Ukraine has little chance of militarily defeating Russia. One document from February predicted that Ukraine's, quote, ability to provide medium-range air defense to protect the front lines will be completely reduced by May 23rd. Again, conditioning the American public to the fact that this is not going well and it's not going to end well. They're, they're turning the corner on the narrative. The leaked documents also predicted the fighting between Ukraine and Russia in the Donbass region, quote, is likely heading toward a stalemate. Another document indicates members of Ukraine's security services were responsible for sabotaging a Russian plane inside Belarus in late February. The documents also appear to indicate U.S. intelligence agencies had deeply penetrated the Russian military, giving the Biden administration internal information about Russian war plans in Ukraine, as well as operational plans for the private mercenary group Wagner. That's another major reason I thought this might be an op, because... They're sowing uh, distrust in the ranks of the Russians. That's a, that's a psychological move all the way. 
in Africa. The Washington Post reports one leaked document reveals the Wagner Group sought to purchase arms from Turkey, a NATO ally. Documents also show that Egypt, a close U.S. ally, secretly planned to 40,000 rockets for Russia. The leak of the documents has also revealed how the United States spied on its own allies. One leaked Pentagon memo alleges that the Mossad, Israel's spy agency, had encouraged Israelis to take part in the massive protests against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan to gut the Israeli judiciary. Uh, the key point is that the government keeps losing documents. This is her guest. She brings on James Bamford, who is an investigative journalist. Uh, the key point is that the government keeps losing documents. A few years ago, um, just a few years ago, uh, the NSA lost uh, uh, upwards of uh, half a billion documents. Uh, employees just walking out the door with these documents. Uh, they lost three quarters of uh, cyber weapons, the United States cyber weapons. The NSA lost uh, three quarters of them. Uh, somebody stole them and put them up on auction. The North Koreans ended up getting the cyber weapons, and so did the Russians. We couldn't outbid North Korea and Russia to get our weapons back? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And they turned them on the United States. So... Uh, there is a complete uh, lack of uh, accountability when it comes to um, classified information, top secret documents, and, and so forth. It well, just walks out the door and nobody ever gets fired. Uh, except for one person. One person gets held accountable for that. Uh, so here's another reason that I felt like maybe this is an op. See if you pick up on this. The top lines that I've seen, this came from the joint. This is a briefing prepared for the joint chiefs. So the most alarming thing about this is that of all places for things to leak out, it came from the military side of the intel community. That's alarming. That was Chuck Todd, NBC. Did you pick up on what sounds a little suspicious about that? That it's from the military side? Yeah, didn't wasn't Trump aligned with the military side of Intel? Didn't he move all of special ops over to the military side of Intel, taking it away from CIA? Um, I don't know. Did, did he? I don't know. I believe that he did. Oh. And then Lloyd Austin. <laughs> Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense. Listen to this comment that he makes. And this was played on Voice of America. So they put this out as the officially uh, approved American propaganda. He's asked if the leaks are going to force a change in the timetable for Ukraine. Asked whether Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky should alter his plans for an expected spring counteroffensive against Russia, Austin had this to say. Uh, they will fight the enemy and, and not uh, be driven by uh, a uh, specific plan. They have a great plan to start, uh, and uh, but only uh, uh, President Zelensky and, and his leadership really know the full details of, uh, of that plan. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. This is how they fight a war. Uh, we're going to come and get you in the spring. So be ready. <laughs> and it won't be by we, any specific plan. We have a good plan that nobody's going to know about, but it will be um, <laughs> May, right in May. 
right in our it's so good yep. we don't even know about it <laughs> only Zelensky knows about it yeah wow well, and then there was a major break in the case. ABC News has it. Uh, it. It was really, and again, these are more reasons why I think this is an inside job. It's an op because the Washington Post is there breaking the news before the FBI has even said anything. And then the New York Times is there before anybody else. The New York Times ends up at this guy's house before the before the FBI even gets there. So yeah, here's ABC News. This is where I just feel like the whole the whole narrative begins to just break down. This is an extraordinary report, an interview with one teenager who says the man who leaked troves of classified documents did work on a military base and was part of this online group popular with gamers, a group united by their love of guns, military gear, and God. Overnight, stunning details. The Washington Post interview with a teenager who says he was a member of the Discord server group where the sensitive documents were first shared. The teenager says he joined the invite-only Discord group of roughly two dozen members, some from foreign countries, at the start of the pandemic and told Post reporter Shane Harris he's read hundreds of classified documents posted by the group's leader. And here's uh, Shane Harris. This is the Washington Post reporter who broke the whole story. This individual OG was apparently sharing this classified information, which was illegal after all. And he appeared to understand that to prove a point, to prove that he could, to impress the people around him. I'll tell you what, I'm impressed that that this ABC, I'm sorry, that this Washington Post reporter has just nailed down the guy's uh uh, motive yeah How, uh, he's he's just declaring what the motive is um a kind of almost like an ego trip he wasn't acting as a whistleblower he was trying to impress his friends he appeared to think that they needed to know things that ordinary people didn't they've got that narrative framed up perfectly that he enjoyed telling them about secrets and things that he knew that ordinary people did not. According to the Post, it's unlikely the leaker intended the information to spread further. The Post also describes a video they say that the teenager says is OG. The man says the Post is at a shooting range. They say he yells a series of racial and anti-Semitic slurs into the camera, then fires several rounds at a target. The teenager also says, as yet, he has not been contacted by federal authorities. I mean, how perfectly is this just wrapping up like a, like a bow around a present, a narrative gift? Yeah, they've got it. They've, uh, they've immediately got him. They got the whole motive. And they, they immediately know what his motives are. And he it just happens to be uh, a, a, a racist uh, gun-toting bigot. It just seems very convenient. Hey, it could all be exactly as it seems. <laughs> but it seems a little convenient. Uh, and then they, they uh, very shortly thereafter, they caught up with the guy. Uh, his name is Jack uh, Tierra. And wait till you hear this. Again, New York Times shows up at this guy's house 
before the FBI and wait till you hear how CBS describes how this happened. This doesn't make any sense. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. It came one week after the Pentagon first discovered some of its most highly classified documents posted on social media. Although the leak started last fall, when secrets first started showing up on a gaming platform called Discord. It slowly spiraled into just intelligence about everything. The Washington Post interviewed a teenage member of a small chat group on Discord who said the leaks began with text messages quoting from classified documents. And then, when no one seemed impressed, photographs of the actual documents. It would appear as if he sort of grew angry with the fact that only one or two people were paying attention to these documents that he was pouring his heart out into. And as a sign of just anger, he just decided to post the full documents. Glimpses of what lay beneath the documents, a countertop and a kitchen floor, matched photos of the inside of Teixeira's home, a digital trail which led the New York Times there ahead of the FBI. Okay, excuse me? <laughs> the New York Times sees the countertop and the floor and is able to use that to track the guy down before the FBI. Perfectly reasonable. Okay, let's think about how that could possibly be. They know this one kid, so maybe they are then looking at the photographs and uploads of everyone that this kid is connected to in social media until they find this sliver of countertop and floor? Like maybe. Then the, then the FBI should move into the New York Times office and, and let them lead investigations. Because that's outstanding. It seems but this like is they just are like when CNN shows up. CNN was at 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 Roger Stone's early morning raid. Uh, I think before the FBI showed up, they were there rolling when the FBI rolled up. So this is how they do it when they're coordinating. Yes, and that matched photo. What? I mean, that's been happening now for a while. That goes back to the John Doe investigations in Wisconsin. That's what they were doing with the people. They were raiding their houses here, and people from the Journal Sentinel were showing up at their houses before the FBI was. So this is a pattern now that's set in stone. And listen to this kid again. He's reading. this. What he says right now, he's reading. Listen to it again. He sort of grew angry with the fact that only one or two people were paying attention to these documents that he was pouring his heart out into. And as a sign of just anger, he just decided to post the full documents. Glimpses. Now, he could be reading because he's nervous because he's going to be on the news. The guy's just a kid. And it might be good advice, but I just thought I would point out he's clearly reading. Well, um, you just call him a crisis actor. <laughs> <laughs> So, and listen to the end of this clip again, Tom, one more time. Aircraft of the FBI. Deshera was stationed at a base in Massachusetts, where live feeds from Air Force surveillance aircraft around the world are downloaded and analyzed. He worked with fiber optic cable and may have been able to monitor the network over which the classified documents flowed. But that is not what he had. He had photographs of printed documents. 
He didn't have screen captures. He didn't have digital files. He would have had to have printed them out in the skiff. Because these documents were so top secret, you're you're only able to view them in a skiff. What is it? The secured, classified, something, something. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah. Did uh, he have access to Biden's garage or Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> the, yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, what? Let's see. Uh, what does skiff? Stand for, let's see. Sensitive compartmented information facility. That's what SCIF stands for. Okay. I just asked ChatGPT. Is that like the new Google? My new friend. Well, I, I actually, I almost did, I pretty much did the show with ChatGPT on uh, Tuesday. I was wondering. <laughs> Chat GPT was in the co-pilot. You know what would be great if you had Chat GPT play my role on the show. <laughs> it would be so frustrating. Could Chat GPT would constantly chat- be admonishing me to be looking, thinking of it from a different direction. Chat GPT co-host. It's yeah. the most condescending uh, interface ever. That's a different discussion. Uh. Uh, but to me, like none of what they said make, makes any sense unless he is able to print these documents up in the skiff and then exit the skiff with these documents. That's the only way what they said makes any sense. And even th- that makes no sense. But here, let's continue. Uh, Biden was asked about this. He's overseas. He's in the Netherlands. And Biden was asked uh, about the leaks. His response even exacerbates Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, who's completely in the tank for the administration, is even he just can't believe this. There's a full-blown investigation going on, as you know, with the intelligence community and the Justice Department, and they're getting close. I'm not concerned about the leakages, and I'm concerned that it happened. But there's nothing contemporaneous that I'm aware of that is of great consequence. So uh, we all have a bunch of questions. So let's try to get some answers. So, so all these uh, classified documents, what were they classified for then? <laughs> they're only classified for about 20 minutes. And then they're not contemporaneous anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here, here's more of the Chuck Todd uh segment and they actually make a good point here so here's what we know so far he worked in it um he had the uh he had the the title of journeyman basically what that means is that's like a skill level so it's that was he had attained a certain amount of training and time on the job that he was known as a journeyman but because of his his IT professional status and the fact that he was based in an intelligence unit at in Cape Cod at Otis Bear at Otis uh, Air Force Base, because of all of that, he would have had access to these systems. How was he able to print documents? It seems like many of these documents were printed based off of the photos that we've seen. How was he able to print them and and then remove them from secure facilities without any kind of an accountability? How was no one aware of the fact? So if if in fact he was printing things from these facilities how can is you it, take them out Courtney, of there? is it possible being the it guy he was able to erase uh the fact that he printed out you know i know that that these systems are supposed to log all this stuff but again if you're dealing with somebody who has who essentially has the kind of access that many 
heads of IT do, they can simply go in and, and you know, erase that log. You would th that that's totally possible. But again, you would think when you're talking about a secure classified system here that there would be uh, uh, fail safes, mm -hmm. there would be backups, there would be some way that this wouldn't be able to happen. And and I got to tell you, Chuck, I'm fascinated. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people who are covering this are I'm fascinated to know how this happened, yeah. because it seems that it was not just one, but there are a number of areas where the system just broke down that allowed this to happen. Well, it's not lost on some people that, you know, Sometimes, you know, rental car companies don't trust anybody under 25. Yeah. Uh, and here we are with uh, some of our most important secrets here. That's a very good point. And I'm, I'll give NBC credit. They are asking the right question. They're, they're basically saying this doesn't make any sense. How could this be? The whole thing sounds crazy to me, Jeremy. This He's a 21-year-old. I looked this up again. I went to chat GPT and I asked what is required to obtain the rank of journeyman in the Massachusetts air national guard answer to obtain a rank of journeyman in the Massachusetts air national guard. You must first enlist in the air national. Thank you. Chat GPT <laughs> and successfully complete basic training after basic training. You will undergo technical training to learn the skills necessary for your chosen career field. Once you have completed your technical training, you will be promoted to the rank of Airman First Class E3 and begin to gain experience in your career field. To be promoted to the rank of Journeyman E4, you will need to meet certain time-in-grade requirements as well as demonstrate proficiency in your job duties and pass the required leadership and developmental training. And then I ask, how long does it take to normally take how long does it normally take to be promoted from E3 to E4? Answer, the time it takes to be promoted from E3 to E4 in the Massachusetts Air National Guard can vary depending on several factors, including your job performance, the needs of the Air National Guard, and a number of other available promotion, uh, the number of available promotion opportunities. But in general, the time and grade requirement for promotion to E4 in the Air National Guard is typically six months as an E3. So let's... Let's suppose it's 12 months. Let's be generous and put it at 12 months. He's 12 months out of basic training and he has access to the top secrets. The top secrets. And not only does he have access to them, he can just print them out, walk out the door with them. Either our country is a total laughingstock joke and should shut down immediately until we can retool, <laughs> rebuild from the ground up. Or this story is completely BS. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense at all. And for a story that makes no sense, they sure have the narrative tied up in a neat bow. They know why he did it. He was just showing off. That they have the answers to. Everything else is a big question mark. Give me a break. So what do you think they're trying to do? Yeah, well, here's where we're going with it. I'm now we're rounding the corner, and this is what's going to tee up your article. <laughs> Terry Moran and uh, John Kirby. This is the first clip that I think really gives up the game. And then, and then here, here we go. 
Should the American people think that that the administration is losing the battle against whoever wants to steal our secrets, whether it's foreign adversaries or hackers? I think the American people need to know and deserve to know that we're taking this very, very seriously. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, and then if there's actions that need to be taken, uh, as we learn more about the extent of what happened here, we'll obviously take those. Yeah, I bet they're going to take actions. I wonder what those actions can be. And here is somebody on TikTok. I went looking to see... Uh, I started going to TikTok to see how people are reacting to things because people aren't reacting to things on YouTube or anywhere else. They're really reacting on TikTok. And I don't really love TikTok, uh, although I don't hate them any more than I hate Google or Facebook. So, uh, but, but TikTok's where it's at. Listen to this. This blew me away. This is from somebody named Bumble Lee. And when I first saw the image, this is a good example. Don't judge a book by its cover. Because when I saw the image of this person, in the return for, for the search I did for this, he has a nose ring. I, I, frankly, I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. I can't tell. This is somebody who, whose gender is completely ambiguous to me at, uh, visually from the image that I see here. Uh, you may be able to tell from the audio. It, it deep, a deeper voice like a male, but, uh, but the inflection and mannerism of, of a female. But listen to what this person says. I'm calling it right now. The government is about to use this to continue to push the Restrict Act on people. The other thing is, too, he was a low-ranking Air National Guard person. Immediately, the question is being thrown up of how he got access to this information and how he, of course, put it on Discord. It was public for weeks, like anybody could see it. It's funny, too, how we had the trans shooter in Tennessee while all these states have been pushing out anti-trans bills. And now we have a breach of security through the use of social media. You know, that thing that the government's trying to restrict. This person nailed it. That's it. Nailed it. And I'm telling you, this person has earrings, like black earrings. Like you would see this person at a Rage Against the Machine concert. You you cannot believe what this person is saying compared to what they present, how they present visually. Sounds like they work in the administration. Uh, they completely get it. Yeah, that headline now, is also up on NBC. U.S. intel agents uh, may change how they monitor social media chat, oh, chat this is rooms so perfect because after here's missing leaked U.S. documents for weeks. Here's the video that goes along with that, the audio. NBC News is learning tonight that intel agencies are looking to change how they monitor chat rooms and social media online, according to multiple sources familiar with this. That is what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's what this is. And I, I, it, looks at, it looks to me like this 21-year-old is a patsy or a fall guy or a dupe. Well, it, it, yeah, it's hard to say. It's impossible. How could this 21-year-old with charitably a year on the job have access to all of that information and be able to just walk out with it. He might've been set up to just be this guy too. Like they could let you right, in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Right. They, they might have, they might have 20 other guys in there that they thought might have done the same thing. <laughs> oh, Jeremy. 
That's genius. And yes. He, right? Like, let's give, like, we know, if you think about it, if you're like one of the, if you're in the head of these organizations and you understand the psychology of people, you get to give somebody way more power, way more privilege than they should be given who don't know how to deal with it. You know somebody in there. It's just a human nature to sin, to do to do things. This guy, e- easy to know that somebody's going to go in there and, oh, all of a sudden I have access to all this stuff. I'll go share it online. I'll show my friends. And I'm sure that the government's had spook GPT for long enough to be able to plug anybody in and, and find out how, how, you know, come up with a character profile. You know, oh, you have a gamer, a loner, no girlfriend, what, you know, whatever, still lives right. at home. Let's hire whatever that guy. Whatever profile they need. <laughs> let's yeah, hire they're, that they're guy. Gonna, He'll be the like next 20 leaker. Of these guys. Right. Yeah, let's hire that guy. He'll be the next leaker. And uh, he doesn't even know it. You Make know? sure it's a white guy. Make sure it's a white conservative. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I see in that same report (sighs) that they may also want to reduce printers (laughs) to prevent another classified document (laughs) leak. U.S. intelligence. Just make everybody wear eye patches when they go in. You can only have one eye. You can only use one eye. U.S. intelligence may reduce printers to prevent another classified doc. We're not going to do anything to keep uh, people out that might steal the information. I like the Chuck Todd bar. You have to be old enough to drive a rental car to the skiff <laughs> to be able to have access to the skiff. Yeah. Here's a, so let's listen to NBC set up the whole thing. NBC News is learning tonight that intel agencies are looking to change how they monitor chat rooms and social media online, according to multiple sources familiar with this. Oh, and please, uh, NBC, can you do away with that sound effect? That is the most annoying sound effect on for television. I thought somebody was texting you. That's in their report. That's that's a broadcast sound effect. After that huge leak of sensitive Pentagon documents on Discord. Apparently they're looking at now how many kinds of sites like this they watch after all of that classified information was exposed. It was mostly related to the war in Ukraine. The Pentagon really showing it does not want a repeat at all of these super sensitive documents just hanging out for maybe weeks without anybody noticing. NBC's Dan DeLuce is joining us now. So, Dan, you are uh, among the team reporting on this. You, Carol Lee, others. What are the changes these intel agencies want to make here? Like, is this just a function of getting more staff looking at places like Discord, other corners of the Internet, et cetera? Uh, Yes, it is. And of course, uh, there's no guarantee. It's still really difficult, right? And the problem is these documents appeared in a pretty obscure corner of the Internet. And Discord, the social app where they first appeared, is known by cyber experts as a place where uh, you can kind of move illicit data, that it's a place where sometimes criminals put out malware or stolen data. So some critics are saying the U.S. should have been a little bit more vigilant. On the other hand, uh, we can't watch everything. So they're trying to now expand the number of sites to look at. They're also looking at restricting how many people get access to some of this classified information to try to... Yeah, they're they're not going to let kids have access anymore to reduce the risk what about privacy laws and how that plays a part in this because that's a factor here too absolutely and uh it's complicated it's not so easy you cannot uh, burst into a private chat room without probable cause uh no matter what government agency you are so just like after 9 11 there's going to be this balance here where they try to try to be vigilant 
try to prevent this. But there still has to be some kind of legal authority if you're looking at a private chat room. And these documents started out on a private chat room. So this is the Intel version of 9-11. And you're basically going to get the Patriot Act shoved down your throat. The That's it. What is it? The Restrict Act? What is yeah, it called? Yeah, the Restrict Act. Which yeah. may as well be called the Digital Patriot Act. Well, Restrict Act is at least more honest. Patriot Act is nothing patriotic, patriotic about it. At least they're being honest that they're going to be restricting everybody. Yeah. Was that was that NBC story your headline? Uh, well, it was. That was where it was linked from the last refuge, and they had that take on it, and that's what I thought was right. Uh, yeah, that's where I thought this was going. Yeah. So Here's, you proved once again uh, you is, don't need me. <laughs> no, I totally needed you because you figured you figured out how they did it. That they planted a bunch of guys in there like this and they just waited for one of them to do it. Yeah. I think you're dead accurate about that. And no, I never would have realized that that never would have occurred to me. Yeah, like is this um, is this 21-year-old kid? I mean, it's possible he just went rogue to you know, leak all these yes. documents and show the truth about Ukraine and Russia. But really, is that really what happened? Since they I, already they're, have They're not these, even saying it was that. They're saying he was just showing off. Yeah, he was showing off for his, but no, but whatever. I'm just, I guess I'm giving him more of the benefit of the doubt and, you know, or giving him more serious reason to do it. Something something patriotic driven or something right. like that but they're not that they, they're not even you're right they're not even saying that that but they've got such a well scripted response to all of this and then boom here you go this is this is going to be more fodder to throw at passing this type of uh legislation of course you'll get all the lot of neocon people saying, yeah, we need to do this, you know, because we, we have to trust the military. We can't question the military ever. Sorry. I can't let this happen. And it, and it, and it, it sets up the narrative perfectly. Oh, you, you can't trust those white male conservatives. They're just racist, gun-toting uh, uh, treasonists. It, this, this narrative is so convenient for them. So yeah. Uh here is Don Jr. Don Jr. has a has his own podcast called Triggered. I did not know that. I found it uh researching this story. He's interviewing, I don't know if you know about the Twitter account, because I know you don't spend time on Twitter. There's a Twitter account called Cat Turd. Yeah, I've seen it. C-A-T-T-U-R-D. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Cat Turd and on Twitter and around my yard. <laughs> How many cats do you have? I don't even know. There's a few running around here. I know people with more. They're listening to this show. Um, <laughs> so oh, I, I asked ChatGPT, my new friend, our other co-host. <laughs> uh, I said, who is Cat Turd? And it said, Cat Turd 2, because that's the actual Twitter handle, Cat Turd 2, is a Twitter account that appears to be a political commentator who is known for their conservative views and often makes controversial statements. 
The account is known for its sarcastic and humorous tweets, which often criticize liberal politicians and media figures. This is where ChatGPT is now going to become condescending. It is important to note that the opinions expressed by CatTurd2 are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of others. Are you kidding me, ChatGPT? Are, are you kidding me? You need to admonish me to know that the opinions of this Twitter account are that of the Twitter account and not other people? Yeah, ChatGPT. Anyway, that's who Cat Turd is, and he's on with Don with Don Jr. And uh, let's listen to this. Let's just say the new story with the FBI arresting the, the leaker right now. Yeah. They did it today. I have no idea what's going on. You know why? Because I can't trust the FBI. I can't trust any of our media to know. I don't know if that guy's a fall guy. I don't know if he really did it. You don't know because they lie all the time. They all have an agenda for power. Yeah. And I, you know, I was having a conversation about this with a friend earlier and they're like, well, it's terrible that they leaked information. I go, maybe, but like, I also, you know, six years ago, you know, I thought it was terrible what Julian Assange did and Edward Snowden did. And yet now, like looking back on it with what I know now, watching the way they went after my father and my family and the way the deep state functioned. I go, I don't know, like maybe it's just the U.S. government's a bad actor. You know, if we're actually in Ukraine with boots on the ground, soldiers there, and like Congress isn't aware of it and the American people aren't aware of it. And, you know, let's just not forget the fact that Russia has 6,000 nuclear missiles. Like, I get we've been fighting a proxy war, but if we're on the, like, I don't know. Could this guy avert World War Three? Are we on the brink of going in because, you know, uh, you know, elected officials aren't telling the American public exactly what's going on? Like, so, you know, it's hard. Guys, like, I used to think we're villains. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're actually heroes. Yeah, I know. It, it's a little bit hard. Yet. And all these things I would have thought I'd be really against or hate. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe he's doing a good thing because I don't want to be in a, in a world war. You know, Trump, the guy that was going to start World War Three is the only guy like. Yeah. de-escalating and it's probably the only guy competent enough to actually be able to you know get us out of these things and they did it under biden because they saw that weakness and that's a scary place to be don jr sounds like he needs to be locked and up don jr yeah i should lock him throw he him can... in jail with his dad he's talking all that crazy talk do you hear that you hear that stuff he's saying Speaking he said the uh, state? that the leaker is a hero <laughs> speaking against the state well doesn't that though reinforce the narrative that this is a bona fide leaker that this might be somebody who did this for an ideological reason as opposed to somebody who is set up to be a part of an op yeah I mean I guess then you can see how, you know, people talking about that, it's not necessarily the important aspect of it. And they're going to be fine with that sort of narrative going around. Um, right. Cause then you're, it, it's basically the bind. It's the binary, the binary, right. Of, you know, that, that, uh, did he, did he do it because he was just goofing off or did he do it because he was, you know, cause he had a reason, but the, let me just Which say, is completely that's a digression because yeah. This is what really, this is what caught my attention with this particular clip, and it leads into where we're going next. Listen to this again, what he says. Maybe he's doing a good thing, because I don't want to be in a, in a world war. You know, Trump, the guy that was going to start World War III, is the only guy, like, 
yeah. de-escalating, and it's probably the only guy competent enough to actually be able to you know get us out of these things. And they did it under Biden because they saw that weakness, and that's a scary place to be. All right, that takes us into the next part of the World War III update, and as we now round the corner into uh, overseas into uh, Russia and China and Taiwan. And you know that I've spent a lot of time talking about China and what the United States, our, our role in provoking China, really poking them in the eye with a sharp stick, I think is the way that I put it. And I have to tell you, I'm, I, on one level, I'm completely fine with that. These are communists who run modern day slave camps. They commit genocide for territorial gain. Uh, I have no problem confronting communist China. What I have a problem with is making ourselves completely dependent on them in every way and then confronting them directly, head on. That is stupid. I, I don't understand that strategy. If you're going to if we're going to make ourselves completely dependent on them, then I think we ought to take a different approach than direct action rather than provoking them. I don't see how the two work together. And we've talked about how uh we uh, the United States passed the Taiwan Relations Act, the TRA. And gave Taiwan assurances that directly contradicted the assurances we gave to China in the three communiques. You can go back and you can listen to our previous two ep- uh, the two previous episodes, or you can go online, go to ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT about the three communiques and the Taiwan Relations Act and the six points of assurance. And you'll see that we've been running a pretty duplicitous game with them. And again, I, I, I'm not exactly sad about that. I think it's insane that we've done that while making ourselves completely dependent on them. So, unfortunately, you know, Carter provoked them while appeasing them. Reagan, unfortunately, did the exact same thing. He gave them assurances and also gave Taiwan assurances that just basically left the assurances we gave the CCP worthless. And Trump did the same thing. Trump uh, did basically his policy with Taiwan was a continuation of the escalation. And he, it happened just before he left office. So I have two clips that, that, that give this. U.S. President Donald Trump has signed the Taipei Act, officially called the Taiwan Allies International Protection and Enhancement Initiative Act. And this is from Formosa TV, which is out of Taiwan. Following the Taiwan Travel Act, this is Capitol Hill's second piece of legislation with the word Taiwan in its name. Which is a major violation of the three communiques where we agree that there is one China and that the, that the, uh, that the 
People's Republic of China is the one legitimate China that, that, that we were not going to negotiate directly with Taiwan. We weren't going to have agreements direct. We didn't, we weren't going to have diplomatic relations with Taiwan. And now we are, we have legislation with Taiwan in it that doesn't route through the CCP. And that, yeah, that makes them furious for them. That is granting autonomy to a piece of what they see as their territory. This is a deal breaker for them, a non-starter. The presidential office released a statement on Friday thanking the U.S. for its support. The act is aimed at increasing bilateral economic ties, helping Taiwan participate in international organizations, and helping Taiwan consolidate its diplomatic relations. The act also authorizes the U.S. State Department to consider reducing its economic security and diplomatic engagement with countries that undermine the security and prosperity of Taiwan. And the second part comes from Reuters. This also jumped out at me. Listen to what Pompeo says here, or what it says about Pompeo. In the final days of the U.S. Trump administration, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo lifted diplomatic restrictions on Taiwan. In a statement on Saturday, Pompeo said that Taiwanese diplomats will no longer need to follow decades-old rules that have limited their contact with American counterparts. And that just seems strange to me because Pompeo made that decision? I would think the president makes that decision. Uh, to me, this sounded like President Pompeo, like he was auditioning for the next job, which now we know isn't he? He's running, isn't he? He said that may that I, they're they're speculating that he's going to. I can't imagine why. I don't know but, how much of this is Trump and how much of this is just Pompeo. But it did happen under Trump. This the 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 Taipei Act. Well, I think Pompeo is, was an agent for the state, not Trump. The deep state. Well, uh, well and Pompeo was, ran CIA, right? Yeah. Didn't he run CIA before right. he went to the State Department? Yeah, yeah I don't so, yeah, I think so. But either way, I mean, that's under under Trump's presidency. This is a change that he's going to need to make if he can get in the, the, the second time around, is to keep this kind of pe- these kind of people out if he wants to actually have his own policy on Taiwan. But but Trump signed it. I mean, does he not? Did he not know what the effect of this would be? It is. These are many declarations of war with China. Which again, that's fine if we're not completely dependent on them. So I don't get it. I don't get it. Let me finish out this clip. For example, Taiwanese officials were excluded from entering the U.S. State Department for meetings and instead met at hotels. But after the weekend, Pompeo said, no more. Today, I am announcing that I am lifting all of these self-imposed restrictions. He is lifting them. He is announcing. The move will likely increase tension with Beijing just before President-elect Joe Biden takes office on January 20th. China claims the separately ruled and democratic territory of Taiwan and also calls it its most sensitive issue in its ties with the U.S., now, it is stuff like this that begins to make me very conspiratorial, uh, put on another layer of tinfoil, because I begin to wonder, when, when I see that there is no change in policy towards China between Trump and Biden, which is striking to me since Biden is pretty much owned by China, 
Is he is he backstabbing them? Is he betraying them? I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it makes me wonder, was, was Trump used as the bad cop to begin our decoupling from China? So in other words, he would have been duped by deep state to take an adversarial position against China and be the United States' bad cop so that we basically could buy four years of decoupling from China while half our establishment could plausibly tell China, wait, 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 no, 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 no. This isn't what we want. This guy's an aberration. When in actual reality, we are making maneuvers to decouple from China. Our entire establishment is our entire establishment is decoupling from China. It was not just Trump. And then Trump presided over what essentially the exact same thing Carter did and the exact same thing Reagan did. Although actually, he, Trump was far more aggressive because Trump didn't give China any, any, uh, any kowtowing before he did it. It's, anyway, I thought it, that was... It, yeah, and it, if, you, if you think about it, then it's like, you know, was Trump... I mean, he's been duped by the deep state about a lot of things, right? I mean, that would be another. That's right. A, that's I don't like think he knew example. going in what he was really up against. Either either he was part of it or he was duped. Same thing with the vaccines. You know, same thing with all the. COVID when you see lockdowns. what they're doing to him, I don't think that there's any uh, reasonable way to conclude that he's part of it. Knowingly. Right, but that I mean, theory just, still bubbles up, him. and we still even talk about that sometimes. It's like, man. Trump, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like he, he gives you that he 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 gives you that idea sometimes when he makes bad decisions. They're so bad, you're like, is he part of it? <laughs> right. I, I, and again, like I said, I'll say it again. I don't mind confronting China. I just can't believe we put ourselves in the position of being a hundred percent dependent on them, and then we uh, began confronting them. That's suicide. Well, that takes me to the second part of the World War III update, and this is a much uh, shorter part. Uh, and let's let's go ahead and and start in Russia, and we'll swoop back around to China again. This first clip comes from WION, which is out of India, and they are telling you point blank what. Russia's plan is what their strategy is. If anybody in the West would bother to listen, here they are. This is this is it. Russia is expanding the conflict zone in the Russia-Ukraine war. We predicted this yesterday when reporting on the fall of Bakhmut. And this morning brought news of a fresh Russian attack. This time on an economic hub on the Black Sea. Russian drones struck Ukraine's port city of Odessa. What is unfolding is not only a single attack on a port, but a larger plan, the plan to control the Black Sea. For Russia, the Black Sea serves as a buffer between the NATO and itself, and total control of the sea allows Russia to station its Black Sea fleet in secure waters. Total control of the Black Sea also helps Russia patrol the Crimea, Odessa, and Mariupol region and block any reinforcements coming into Ukraine. 
or trade sailing out of Ukraine? The question is, how will Ukraine respond? With the intensity it fought, with the intensity with which it fought in Bakhmut? Kiev defended Bakhmut with all that it had. But is Ukraine in a position to put that kind of defense in Odessa is the immediate question. And the answer is not really, not likely. Anyway, these are all cities to the east of the Nipro River. And again, like we were telling you yesterday, military analysts believe that Russia is not trying to control all of Ukraine. What it may be aiming to do is split Ukraine into half along the Nipro River. Russia wants control of the cities to the east and it wants control of the Black Sea. And now this is a plan that seems to be coming to life, one city at a time. And you and I have talked about this before, that, that this area is the new Berlin Wall. Don't, you know, it'll be a, a border. This is the new border between east and west. That's what's being built here. That is what Putin has always been doing. And that is what is going to happen. It's, it's coming. And I don't, know, I don't know that the... It doesn't seem to me that the U.S. has been having uh, Kiev fight the war to eject Putin. I, it seems to me they're fighting the war to inflict losses on Putin. And again, from that perspective, this may be a great success for the United States, where Putin was on his way to becoming a resurgent, full global power. And now Putin has basically been reduced to a vassal of China. And it, uh, let's just go even further. If... if you know, really conspiratorial. If the if the West and the East are contriving this Cold War together, uh, then then this is the uh, hold on a second. If sorry, if West and East are contriving this, then then this was always the plan. China, it's our gift to China, what we're doing in Ukraine. We've, again, we've helped China solidify its position on the other side of this new wall. And Russia is basically, is just, like I said, reduced to China's vassal. That's a gift to China. So if Joe Biden and Barack Obama are owned by China, and I, let, let's operate on that premise. Barack Obama and Joe Biden are owned by China. So what we are doing in Ukraine is to China's benefit. Let's just follow that logic for a moment. How is it to China's benefit? Is it what I just said? That we've helped reduce Russia to China's vassal? Sounds like it might be to our benefit if we just obey China, then we could be second place above Russia. <laughs> well, it's to, it's to the benefit of both. And again, if you think you know, if you consider that our Marxists and China's Marxists, if all of our Maoists are working together, 
then what we're doing in Ukraine is what China wants. I know I, I, I'm a little bit on the all over the board on this because I've also posited the possibility in the past that what we're doing in Ukraine is to damage China, I mean, to damage Russia so that they can't help China against us. And I think that's, that's possible too. I don't, I don't know. But at any rate, that is what's happening. Russia is going to grab, they're going to have and maintain everything in Ukraine east of the Napier River. And they're going to hold all of the Black Sea. That's their, that's their piece on the chessboard. The, the next clip I'm going to play, it's short. This is the one that came, uh, I was sent a clip from uh, Janice in Arizona, and I didn't have time to prep that clip, but again, there was something that popped out of me in that one, and I went looking for it, and sure enough, listen to this. So basically, I'll just summarize what, what Hirsch has found out. So the Ukrainians are buying cheap diesel, including from Russia, the enemy, hence the title, trading with the enemy. So they're actually getting Russian oligarchs richer too. They're buying discounted diesel and then they're marking it up over and over and over. They're selling it for like $400 a gallon to the Ukrainian army and they're skimming off the profits. And as Hirsch writes here, the CIA puts the embezzlement of funds at 400 million last year. So Zelensky and his top entourage, the oligarchs, have pocketed $400 million of our tax dollars just on the diesel scam alone. So you can imagine every other thing they're buying. I mean, this, makes, this puts Biden to shame. 10% for the big guy. No, they want 50% for the big guy. That is from the Ron Paul podcast. And they're talking about an article that Seymour Hirsch put up uh, titled Trading with the Enemy. You can go to a Substack and read that. So that's great. Uh, Zelensky and his crew have siphoned off $400 million just from gas. Imagine everything else that they're buying that they're siphoning off. That's our partner. We're, it's, it's all going very well. So just the last thing here, which brings it back around to the big picture. And it's really this rivalry between the United States and China. And it's, I think, a question mark ambiguous. Again, to what is this being contrived by both sides? Uh, or to what degree is this uh, just frankly being contrived by us? Um, here, this is from Caspian Report. We've heard, we've heard from them two times before. It's a very good channel uh, on YouTube. Uh, Biden and the West are trying to counter Belt and Road. Now, either they are just setting up the West's version of Belt and Road or they're trying to compete against Belt and Road. Uh, it sounds almost complimentary, but again, I listen to this and I just am left uh, almost needing a, a, a Xanax, some sort of anti-anxiety medication, which I don't, I don't take. I don't believe in those. So, but at any rate... Uh, yeah, it's, this is frustrating. Listen to this. At the G7 summit in June 2022, Biden and his counterparts launched the Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment, or PGII. At heart, the PGII is a reinvention of Biden's previously proposed Build Back Better World initiative, which sought to counter China's Belt and Road initiative. 
Drafted in 2021, Build Back Better World gained little traction despite vigorous lobbying. The primary problem was gathering support for the initiative at home. Consequently, the lack of public commitment made it difficult for Washington to finance the project independently. Not surprisingly, Build Back Better World failed to pass in Congress. Now, roughly a year later, Biden has reached a new deal to spread the burden of financing by teaming up with the other G7 countries. And when he says a year later, this video is from eight months ago, so it's a year and eight months ago, roughly two years earlier. The new plan is for the G7 nations to mobilize $600 billion over the next five years to invest in global infrastructure projects. Most of these projects will take hold in middle and low-income countries, and most projects will be geared towards four categories, renewable energy, healthcare, gender equity, and digital infrastructure. Did you hear that? Yeah. Gender equity. That's one of the four pillars of our version of Belt and Road is gender equity. Can you imagine how many countries are just lining up? Again, that's our main export is virtue signaling. Biden says that the plan will allow participating nations to see the concrete benefits of partnering with democracies. Either way, the United States has pledged to contribute $200 billion to the initiative, while Germany, France and Italy will raise 300 billion euros, and the remaining of the total grant will come from the United Kingdom, Canada and Japan. How much funding will come from the private and public sectors is unknown. Though impressive, America's Partnership for Global Infrastructure Initiative still falls short in funding compared to its rival, the Belt and Road Initiative. Beijing's infrastructure project doesn't have an official price tag, but China has invested about 800 billion euros across the globe, which surpasses the investments promised by the G7. And China isn't done yet. Got that? China's investment outpaces the entire G7 combined. That is how outmatched we are. This giant, this dragon that we are poking repeatedly. Trillions more dollars are expected to be invested through the six arms of the Belt and Road Initiative in the coming decade. What's more, according to official Chinese data, Beijing has signed more than 170 cooperation agreements with 125 countries. Oddly, none of them had any uh, gender riders in their agreements. No, no sections about uh, LGBTQILLPLS plus rights. And another 29 agreements with international organizations across Asia, Europe, Africa and South America. Matching the size and scope of China's grand strategy will be tricky, even for the G7 nations. But perhaps the biggest issue with the PGII, the elephant in the room if you will, is that the United States is bad at infrastructure investing. In fact, America is bad at maintaining its own physical infrastructure, let alone working on infrastructure projects abroad. Meaning, whoever we give money to for infrastructure... Where do you think it's going? China. They love that we're passing this. They're going to reap big benefits from this. It is by no means an accident. 
In 2020, Chinese firms won $2.3 billion worth of contracts outside China, while the United States gathered only $27 million worth of contracts. Do you need to hear that one again? Here, he says it again. $2.3 billion versus $27 million is a staggering difference. Which is why we have all the standing in the world to go have a frontal assault against China. Where do you think all the other countries are going to fall? On the side of the nation that's main export is virtue signaling? Or on the one, the nation that is building everything around the world? Do you think the countries where China's currently building infrastructure are going to flip and let China just walk away from all that infrastructure that they're building? Are we going to then take over all those projects? We can't. We'd have to hire China to finish those projects. America has a lot of strengths, but China is just better at building. And clearly better at strategy, too. So, again, I don't know, I don't know what to think. Because I could see where if the United States, if our swamp, if our establishment at some point realized, wow, we've been overtaken. There is no way we're catching up to China. Then divide and conquer is actually a logical move to make in that circumstance. I'm not saying it's the right one. I'm saying it's a logical one. If you can't win the world, divide it and take the part you can. And we seem to be doing everything we can to provoke China to attack Taiwan so that the world will be divided over that issue. Yeah. And that would imply that we're not constructing this with China, <laughs> that we're doing it on our own. I just don't know. I don't know what to think. I need your help, Jeremy. I need our audience's help. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I don't understand all of the geopolitical, you know, stuff with China and, and Russia, but my view is always the same that they're. The that the where they're working together with us, where the, in the places where it seems like we're working with them, or people in our government are working with the Chinese government, you know, those are the 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 common interests of of all of the people in power to push toward the global governance system, and then when you see things that look like it's you know where there's um, opposing forces coming from what look to be friends and all of a sudden looking like foes. That's because everybody pushing toward the global system is still pushing toward a global system that they have more power and control over. Correct. Um, we are creating the mirror version, the less effective version of China. We're China light. That's what we're doing. It wouldn't surprise me for a minute if we've been outmaneuvered by them uh, and end up in a much worse place. It seems like everybody, though, that's involved is willing to do whatever it takes to go closer toward the world system. 
and it might not matter who's in control of it. I would agree with you. I don't think there's much benefit to having the United States controlling a fascist regime as uh, as opposed to China. I think that's actually what we've had now for several decades, and we are now all living with the glorious benefits of that. How do you like your American Maoist uh, system so far? Because that's what's being built. But for now, there's still some capitalism. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We've arrived at that time in the show. Jeremy, we've given a lot of value so far, don't you think? Well, I know you have. <laughs> I'm still coming off of Whatever, my you can crazy ride on my coattails. That's, that's what I'm doing because I've because I I you know I you have a big head start on me this week. I just was not around, but I'm glad. That's why I'm glad that you're here because uh, it's it, it it makes it you know it just makes it better uh, for both of us. Uh, I think when when you can bring stuff to the table. I can bring stuff to the table in a week like this week where I've mostly been out of it. I can just rest on your shoulders, let you carry be the heavy lifter and carry the weight well, of the show. Well, if this is how you are when you're letting me do the heavy lifting, then then we're in good shape. And I'm <laughs> uh, happy to do it. I'm sure that you will do the you did the heavy lifting when I was out of town a couple of weeks ago. So it it all evens out, my brother. And uh, th- this is the time when we tell people about the value for value model. So if you feel like even, even when I was flying solo, now that Jeremy and I are back together again, do you feel like what we have been doing, the show that you've been listening to today, the shows you've been listening to in the past, do these bring you value? If they do, we ask that you return value to the podcast. That's how value for value works. We do not accept, nor do we solicit, any corporate advertising. That is because you can't you can't have a free and open discussion if you have corporate advertising. You have to deal with the risk aversion of the corporations. And because now anything conservative, anything counter-narrative has been deemed the ultimate risk, you can't, you just simply cannot build uh, an entity, a, a show, a, a community like this with the backbone being corporate money. You can't do it. And that's why we don't do it. We have citizen sponsors. We have our listeners are our producers. You are not just passive listeners. You're active listeners. Uh, uh, we've, we've talked about it already in this podcast. One of the greatest ways that people can return value is sending us content. People have now begun sending content and not only sending like a long clip, they've been responding to our request, Jeremy, to send us Notes, well, where in the clip do you want us to look? What's interesting about it? Uh, that has started to happen. Uh, my two biggest contributors right now are Janice in Arizona and Big D and AZ. Can't thank you enough. Everyone else, please uh, follow their lead. That is of huge value. Uh, another place that you can uh, uh, 
return value is sharing the show. Share the show. Hashtag share the show. Share it with people you know. Share it with people you don't know. Share it with strangers on the street. But helping us grow the audience by sharing the show is definitely important. And another way is by rating the show. Please rate the show where you're listening to it and leave a comment if you're able to leave a comment. I know on Apple Podcasts, you're able to leave a comment. I think on some other platforms, you're able to leave comments. That's very valuable to us. And then write us at truth at truthbait.com truth at truthbait.com and tell us uh, that you left a message or tell us that you uh, that you left a rating uh, and tell us how we're doing. Give us feedback. Uh, we love that. Let us know what we're getting right. Let us know what we're getting wrong. Let us know what you want this show to be because that is that is the value for value model. We pass value back and forth to each other. You are here early. You are our producers, and we are going to be very responsive to what you want this show to be. So your feedback is incredibly important. And yeah. then, of course, there's well, there's the, another the thing last too. final way to no. There's oh a, yeah, go ahead. There's yeah. another one that's really easy because most people, most everyone listening, I think, has a car, right? Go run over somebody. Huh? No, does people have a can of paint? Because if you have a car and a ah, can of paint, you can paint. Yes. You can paint on the back of your car, Truthbait podcast. And on the top and on the sides. Okay. And you can be I a like rolling advertise easy. This is easy for everybody to do. Anybody okay. can do this, ladies and, and gentlemen. Everywhere you go, just paint your car for the pretty Truth Bait soon, Podcast. Right, pretty soon, everywhere you go, you're going to see Truth Bait Podcast cars. And if we spot you out on the street in a Truth Bait Podcast car, we will give you a ten dollar gas card and producer credit. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, that was a good idea. Any color, any color. I'm not picky. And it's truth bait, one word. I am picky about that. Okay. <laughs> I know you wanted to break it into truth. It's not bait, that I wanted words. to. No, I only wondered, was it more strategic? Because it comes up earlier in be. the alphabet that way. It, it might be, but the but clickbait, which is this show is the opposite of clickbait. Clickbait's one word, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like clickbait is one word. They'll look it up in like a new oh, modern listen, dictionary. Let's put it out to our producers. <laughs> <laughs> what should it be? Truthbait, one word. Truthbait, two words. Write us at truth at truthbait.com. Yeah, that's a good one. We could get feedback on that. But I think you're right. I think truthbait, one word, sounds better. Sounds better. Looks better. Uh, and then the last way is is going to be to donate money directly, which is going to be uh, very valuable, very helpful. This is a full-time job for Jeremy and I, and uh, uh, that we do even when we are suffering through illness. Uh, we have persevered. We have traveled. We have dealt with personal issues, and we still bring you the Truth Bay podcast, and it is a full-time job. And so we will eventually be uh, uh, asking our audience to help us financially uh, but first, we're going to need to actually set up a bank account <laughs> so that we can set up the other account so that you can donate to us. That's coming but, very, very soon. But it's not, that's the money's not, that's not the most important thing. The thing here is that if we, if we build a community of people who want to participate in this show and regularly participate in this show, it's going to grow into something way cooler than whatever Andrew and I have come up with to this point so far. And that 
that by more people participating, by more people finding uh, the stories to talk about or contributing in, in whatever way they feel they can bring value to it and develop a community, uh, you know, of people like us who, ha- you know, have, you know, maybe interesting or unique and sometimes differing and sometimes similar viewpoints on the culture war, the narrative war, the political war, the actual war that we're in right now, um, spiritual war. Uh, this is gonna, this is going to turn the show into something that's different from any other show out there when we have that many minds collaborating on it together. Uh, so that's that would be to me the most important way right now uh, for people to participate. We were anticipating having our website up by now, although I think all the illnesses in Jeremy's family put a big dent in that timeline. Uh, but we're going to have, we have as a goal is we're going to get our website up and just have a field where you can input your email address. Uh, joining our mailing list is really going to be, I think, the the biggest first piece of direct action you can take to support us beyond giving us feedback is going to be joining that mailing list. Absolutely. And that is why Jeremy's right. The money is not the most important part. When I play this song... It's ironic. <laughs> it's ironic because we have no way to take money and because it is not our top priority. Uh, it's also not eventually... either of our it's also not either of our favorite song for this segment, but it's just what we're using. <laughs> but it is right the one now. we can afford right yeah. now. <laughs> the one we can afford the one we want actually is five hundred dollars a year to license, and we we can't afford that yet. <laughs> so if you don't like that money honey song, when we start taking donations, all you have to do is donate to us and we will be able to afford a new song. <laughs> uh, do you have uh, you had Elon Musk, right? I, this is all I've seen in the news this week. I saw this morning, and I saw it's getting headlines. Is uh, and and I think you know somebody. Maybe we're right because we talk about him a lot. Whoever you knew somebody that told you that we should have just a podcast about Elon Musk, and I'm starting to agree because big DNA Z. Oh, was that He's big absolutely D-L? right? Okay, you know because Elon Musk is, I think, an important figure at this point. Um, and I, but what I think, I don't know, there's going to be, there are people out there right now that think great things about Elon Musk. And I'm not sure that I agree with them, but he had this interview and I haven't seen the whole interview, but this clip just totally captured me this morning with the BBC. And he's, uh, they're talking about Twitter and they're talking about hate speech, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play it, and then I th- we could just talk about what you think about it. But I just, and I also saw like it, if there's a certain person in the past of our life that this looks like is is just screaming out of this guy's body, I think you're gonna recognize it right away. Yeah, you know, we have I know exactly what who, you're talking who about. Have been that used to be in content moderation, and and. and pe- We've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and they just say they just there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech. This is the, the, I don't even know this guy's name. He's with the BBC, but this this is the interviewer who's setting up the question, and uh, 
you know, talking about hate speech and content moderation um, in the company. Do, is that what hate speech are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter, right? Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, but just a personal anecdote. Like, what do, do you? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally, but I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that. In that content you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I, I mean you know just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist. Those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if I, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is that I'm what not, you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying. Well, I'm just curious. What you, I'm, just, I'm trying to say what you mean by hateful con content, and I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's but, why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. You honestly, I you don't, can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't particularly like it. You said actually, a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only. Well, I only look well, at hang on a second. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last. <laughs> who does that? Who does that remind you of? <laughs> That would be Mr. Breitbart. <laughs> That's Andrew Breitbart all day long. And what Musk just did was give gave a master class in calling the media out on their premise. Don't just let them get away with the premise of their question. If you if you challenge them on the premise of their question, they melt down and they fold like a cheap card table. They have no legs to stand on. They they are so trained with their talking points that all you have to do is question them on their on their premise and they just they completely dissemble. And this is the part of this interview that I love. It's like a this is like a feel good interview. This reminds me of the first time I ever met you, and it was I think even the first maybe weekend I had met Andrew Breitbart, and we were out at that protest in Illinois. In the uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, and and Andrew was just looking at these protesters, asking them to give one example, you know, of uh, I think Glenn Beck saying something hateful because that's what they were all out there protesting, and it was just such a perfect, like they they just could they had they, they didn't have anything because they were just programmed to protest. And this guy, yeah, it, it jumped out because he uses the same line. Yeah, and uh, Bright, Breitbart says not a hundred examples. Yeah, just give just me one. one. Just give me one. Not a hundred, and that nobody had one example. And right, this it was guy, the stop the hate rally to stop Glenn Beck's hate. Right, and this guy, the interviewer, is the exact same as a street level, two bit street level protester. Right here. He is a useful idiot dummy for the press who came to an interview totally unprepared without anything uh, to go by except talking points that he learned somewhere else. So, I mean, that's a part of this that I love, and it makes you want to cheer for Elon Musk. Three or four weeks. <laughs> no, and I, well, then how did you bummer. see the hateful content? content? <laughs> 
Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right. And, and you I, can't I, give a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying I, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful really? con content. Not even <laughs> one tweet. That was such an ouch, you know, like, really? Really? You do just call me an idiot in the middle of my interview? <laughs> what about I don't even know how to have a comeback, really? Well, I and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed... You just lied. What, no, no, what I claimed was... Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or example. not, I mean, I, right, and Literally if you, you look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U in the UK, they will say that. So, they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Then, that I don't you, think you, this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have. We only have a <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Quickly, let's move away from the uh, ac the accident I just had on the floor. It <laughs> was incredible. I mean, this is just. This is like the best interview I've ever seen. This guy just looks so stupid. But when he moves on, it gets even worse. Certain amount of time. Um, well, COVID misinformation. You changed the, change the COVID misinformation. Has rules. BBC changed this COVID misinformation? The BBC does not set the rules on Twitter, so I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. He just pauses. He doesn't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm literally Has, asking you about, you changed the labels, the COVID misinformation labels. There used to be a policy, and then it then disappeared. Why, why do that? Well, COVID is no longer an issue. Does the BBC uh, hold itself at all responsible for misinformation re regarding ma masking and, and side effects of vaccinations and not reporting on that at all and what about the fact that the BBC was put under pressure by the British government to change its editorial policy are you aware of that this is a, this is not an interview about the BBC. Oh, so. you thought it was. not <laughs> <laughs> I see now why you've done Twitter Spaces. I am not a representative of the BBC's editorial policy. I want to make that clear. Let's talk about something else. You want to talk about you. <laughs> Let's talk about something. I, else. And I stepped over. I stepped over the best line when when he says, "Oh, you didn't think this was about the BBC, <laughs> right?" And now, right, right now, and he he says, "I'm interviewing you." Listen, I want to listen. make that clear. Let's talk about something else. You want to talk about the BBC? Too. All right. Let's 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 talk let's talk about something else. <laughs> He said, I'm interviewing you, too. That's right. Uh, which That's is something right. I used to do all the time in the street. I used to love going up to the to the reporters from local media and national media and just ask, start asking them uh, what they thought was going on. And it was amazing uh, insight into their lack of mental capacity for the environment in which they existed for the moment. And uh, so, like, this, this whole interview just... It makes you feel good, you know, because you see this guy looks like he's going to get attacked and then he comes out swinging. It just gets a total, total 100% knockout. Um, at the same time, 
you know, I think that uh, I don't trust Elon Musk for one second. I don't, what do you think? No, and the and the things that we've been saying are now starting to come true. Right? Did Did you see the headline that he uh, Twitter Inc. no longer exists? It's now X Corp. Yeah, I heard about that this morning also, which he was talking yeah, about it, his X app before in some clips you brought earlier. Uh, in the beginning, when so we that was doing this show. I went back and looked at this, Jeremy, uh, because when we're right, I like to <laughs> I like to be able to you know let people know how right we were. Uh, this was from episode point nine, <laughs> so uh, some of our listeners today would not have ever heard this. Uh, episode point nine was you know Jeremy and I did episodes point one through point nine before we did uh, what was episode ten what you know is episode one, because our 10th episode is what we did as our first episode. We did nine rehearsal episodes just to begin to figure out how to wrap our minds around this podcasting thing. Uh, and you're, you're welcome that we didn't subject you to the, to the first nine episodes, but this came from uh, episode 0.9 and it was Elon Musk speaking at the uh, world government summit, and where he was hailed as a hero, uh, but he talks about the X app. What is Twitter going to be? He talks about that. And I've affected the audio so that you can tell it comes from a previous show uh, instead of this show. Sounds so like you you're can, in Donald you Trump's limo. Here, I can do... Uh, that's like a magic chime. We've now gone back in time. What is Twitter going to be? He talks about that. It's the it's the absolutely everything app, and this is a little bit chilling. I'd like to, you know, I have this sort of long-term vision for something called X.com from back way back in the day, uh, which is kind of like a, a sort of like an everything app um, it, where it's just maximally useful. It does, you know, payments, it sort of provides financial services, provides information flow, um, really anything digital. So anything digital, this is going to become the central hub of your entire digital life, which sets up the actual horror show. I think the uh, trying to have as many organizations and people and institutions. He's, he, I'm sorry, he's talking about how uh, to make sure that the information that you're getting on Twitter is accurate and the people are who they say they are. I think the uh, trying to have as many organizations and people and institutions verified um, as being legitimately those people and organizations is, is important and to have the organizational affiliation clearly identified so that if you want to find out if somebody is actually, if, if an account is actually, say, from a member of parliament or a journalist or, let's say, if a Twitter handle is uh, actually belongs to, say, Disney Corporation or something like that, you, you, can, you can go on Twitter and it's, it's sort of an identity layer uh, of the Internet and you, you can confirm that that is, in fact, the case. So you're going to you're going to verify people's identity. Not just he's not talking about Twitter is just verifying people's identity. You're going to be able to rely on that and turn Twitter into a verification resource for yourself. You're that's how uh, tied to people's identity it's going to be. And, and I think once you've got these sort of interlocking sort of identities, uh, it, it's actually very hard to be deceptive in that case. Because and, and it's also you have a reputation to protect social credit score at that point. So I think then people are far more likely to be measured in their response, be more, be more reasonable since they have reputational value at that point. 
So goodbye anonymity, hello social credit score. That is, and it's going to involve absolutely everything you do because that's what he wants to build. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, if you were a close personal friend of ours receiving our early episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the bigger point in that uh, that time when we were talking about it was that you also had a clip of Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum uh, or at a different you know, summit similar to that, like the World Government Forum or something else. And he was basically talking about that type of technology that Musk was describing there. And Klaus Schwab was saying that whoever masters that type of technology will in in a way basically become the master of the world, uh, so to speak. And so that was pretty chilling to hear but you know from so you know yeah i don't trust elon musk and i think what you have here is another example of him coming out swinging uh seemingly on the side of people with fully functioning brains and um you know going against this bbc reporter and you know basically people who are often accused of using hate speech which which now could be something as similar is is as simple as saying i love america or something like that or um, um i'm a man so i married a woman like that that could be called hate speech now um so you want to get behind him right and i think to me this is like more positioning himself uh to sort of lead but also mislead people who might be thinking along, you know, similar lines as we do about a lot of things uh, to get behind him and get behind his technology pushes and things that he's doing that will ultimately become, you know, things that we don't want either. And it's also at the same time, he's not um, he's not denying hate speech. He's not saying there's no hate speech. <laughs> Through that entire segment, through that entire segment of saying, give me an example of hate speech, he's reinforcing that there, that there, that there is hate speech. Well, there is. I mean, it's, there's, there's, uh, there's bad speech on every platform. That's just the way it is. No, but hate speech uh, itself is a, is a dialectical attack. Just the term itself that there is hate speech right, that, is, is yes, designed yeah. okay, I see what you're to saying. control the way people talk and speak. And so is the term misinformation and disinformation. So he turned, it sounds like he's turning that around on the BBC saying, is the BBC going to take responsibility for COVID misinformation? So at the same moment, he's reinforcing that there's a problem with misinformation. My view. Well, there was from those groups. <laughs> there was. Yeah, those but, groups were actually engaging in misinformation and disinformation. That's true. My view is that he he doesn't negate that though, and he doesn't negate that. Right. No, I think you're right. We are the real that we are the real culprit of misinformation. That and 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 th you know that even ties back into the to the earlier segment today with you know controlling uh you know or 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 more surveillance on these digital platforms and uh 
to protect people from misinformation or disinformation. So anyways, I, I, th- I just thought that clip was great. It was just amazing to see that meltdown uh, of the BBC guy. And, uh, but at the same time, I would yeah, it reinforces Musk's hero status. That it reinforces Musk's sure hero status understand. for people on the right right now. There's a lot of people like really cheering him on, you know, right. so happy that he's out there. And uh, I, I would just caution you to realize he is not a voice for freedom. He's not a voice for you. He comes from. No, a, he's he's as close as we get now. I right. think that that's the problem. He literally is as close as as we get. Uh, he's. I think he's sincere in his embracing of fundamental freedoms and rejecting what the left has been doing. And I think he also knows that what he's building is going to be antithetical to that in the long run, but you know, better him building it than somebody who doesn't embrace those things. See, I don't I think I that's dis- the calculation. See, I disagree with that. I don't think he's sincere. I think he's sinister. I think he's raised in the elite south african communist class and i'll bring more uh i'll bring at least one example to prove that in a later episode um yeah otherwise i'm gonna keep that tinfoil because i haven't come that prepared today but um, there are there are a couple of people that our audience members love they love trump and they love musk and you uh, keep bagging on both of them (laughs) (laughs) well i like i mean i like trump too like you know but he he makes a lot of mistakes. You know he's got to be better. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> what what did you say about Trump? You know, and Tucker. You know, <laughs> <laughs> people love Trump and Tucker <laughs> and Musk. You know, but I'm telling you, stop loving these people. None of them are going to save what you us. Say? And I didn't hear you. <laughs> and some of them are working against us. And I think our Musk audience members have asked me to do this. <laughs> Whenever you're going to talk about them, go ahead. Did you have something you wanted to say about no, uh, Tucker? Done. No, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> you, you finish. All right. You finish so we're the show. we're at two hours. I have one more story. Do we go on to this? Do we save it? It's the the Chicago being chosen as the Democratic convention. Uh, we can try and race through this. You want to try and race through it? I. I that's something that I feel like I can add to if I was better prepared. Um, do you but want? It depends. Do you want to make this our first pop up episode? We'll bring yeah, that it might in. be cool. Uh, okay, that might be a good idea if we made that. Let's do that. Okay, episode. so we're gonna have our first pop up episode. I don't know when it's gonna come. It's gonna come soon, uh, but but it will be focusing on Chicago being accepted as the host city for the. Uh, 2024 Democratic Convention. I agree. I like that. I agree. Oh, well, that's good because then that uh, brings us here. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Jeremy, I am so glad you are back. Even uh, coming in, uh, relying on my preparation, you still bring your A game, Jeremy, and I'll take you that way over not having you any day of the week. It was like the A minus game. Glad you are feeling better. Glad your family is feeling better. Oh. Uh, and I hope they continue on the mend. Thank you for listening. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We are the Truth Bay Podcast, and we come to you every 
Tuesday and Friday without fail. Send stories uh, by to the best of our ability, by the way. But send, <laughs> I'm so glad you blew it. Says <laughs> the first time I, blew I did. Three I yeah, episodes in a, three row. in a row. <laughs> I caught myself at least. Send stories. Participate. We this we got to turn this into a show that really everybody is contributing. There are more people out there than uh, than. Uh, Janice in Arizona and Big D and AZ and there's others we've hit we've got Dan in Janesville and uh, there's been a, a bunch of participants in Wisconsin uh, but we see people listening all over the world I've even seen Belgium and one in India that's amazing yep I've seen someone in India someone in Belgium is listening to every episode so we love you Belgium or whatever country you're in with your VPN <laughs> we could only get that restrict act passed we could find out anything else any last comment any last note that's all I got for today have a good weekend yeah, everybody too. and now back into the sea of clickbait with you all